and welcome to another Simple Politics podcast. Parliament is back and so are we. I'm Charlotte and I have with me my brilliant colleagues, Tatten and Diane. How are you both? Hey, Charlotte. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, how can you be surprised by that question? <laughs> it's how Charlotte starts every week. Yeah, uh, yes, mainly, largely on the good side. Thank you for asking. Okay, good. I'm in real trouble. I'm in real trouble at the moment because we, as you know, were nominated for Best Independent Comedy Podcast of the Year. <laughs> and now I'm just totally like like uh, my girlfriend Katie was, was rewriting the nativity script for her primary school. And I was like, oh, do you want someone uh, who was nominated for uh, Independent Podcast, Comedy Podcast of the Year to have a look at that? She's like, shut yeah. up. And uh, I'm just generally wandering around like I'm some kind of comedy genius. Uh, and um, it's losing me my friends this is my relationships uh it's a terrible terrible thing it's on my cv it's got it's gotta be it's (laughs) (laughs) you don't have a cv you're so right (laughs) (laughs) i'm unemployable well that's not true (laughs) uh you wait till the reference i give you you're not going anywhere So we want to say a special hello and thank you to our very first Patreon subscribers. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Hello, I mean, all of you. I mean, hi, 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 thank you. Last week we launched Patreon. We launched our new thing, which is a Patreon for that to support this podcast, mm-hmm. to keep this podcast going. And I think we did it really badly. <laughs> um, I think that it was chaotic and I think it was unclear and um, I, I, you know, I, I, I've only got myself to blame for that. And I thought it was, a, it was, it, it would alert people to the fact that we had this Patreon, and nothing would happen. And do you know what? A few people have have yeah. signed up. Someone signed up Friday morning, and when you sign up, uh, an email pings its way to me. I think Charlotte, you get the email as well, don't you? No, Charlotte doesn't get the email. Oh, Sorry. She, she looks very sad about that. Um, but I, I thought she did. But it just, and it just comes up with your name and it's just, it's just so special. It's so special that you want to support what we do. We love doing this podcast, but you being there and the money is wonderful and really helps, but it's the, the message of support and love and probably for subscribers going, I wouldn't say love, mate. Um, <laughs> but support and love from from you to, to ask them what we do. And it talks about our community. And it's, I get, I've, I've been quite emotional this week anyway, but I, be, I get, I get quite emotional about it. Um, and so thank you very much uh, to you. Um, if you'd like to join them, it costs three pounds a month to, to, for the for the for the first layer. Mm-hmm. I think it's called a tier, not a layer, but I'm going to call them layers because they sound more like Batman-y. It's, it's three pounds, and what you get for that is you get the podcast early and ad-free. Oh, yeah. Except for Patreon ads like this. Uh, you still hear these. <laughs> and then I think the next step up is, is, is five pounds, and for that, 
I don't know why anyone would want this. For that, you get an unedited video of us doing the podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> Quite concerned about that. Which you can... <laughs> I mean, well... I don't think you should be concerned, because really, who wants that? Like, no, imagine, imagine thinking, oh, this is so terrible. I'd like to see their faces too. Mm. Um, yeah, and a couple of other bits, and then it goes up a bit more, and you get some money off at the shop and there's like merch and you can you can have a one on one chat with one of us if if that doesn't sound too awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean these layers I'm supposed to be selling them but uh basically you get more of us the higher up you get um and if that's something you would like then, then please do support us or if you just want to support us Mm. Like you don't have to have any of these things. You don't have to listen early. You don't. You can listen to the version with adverts if you'd like. You can. You don't have to watch us. I'm telling you, you really don't have to watch us. Um, <laughs> if you just want to support us, then that's wonderful. Yeah. And I can't. I can't express enough how we feel, how it makes us feel to know you're out there rooting for us. You're on our side. You want us to do this and that's yeah please it's so it's uh i think there's a link somewhere in the description of this podcast but it's patreon.com forward slash simple politics if you would like to join and we would love it if you did of course we would uh so please do check it out awesome brilliant thank you tatin let's get on with the show So, the first section is our top post of the week. So, Tatten, what was our third most popular post of the week? Well, it was the King's Speech on Tuesday. As we know, we spoke about it at length last week. I think you two banged on a bit yeah, too much, no. if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> no, about the like. King's Speech. And there was all the ceremonial stuff, but we got to the actual speech and there was 21 bills. And some people say it's quite light. I mean, mm. I, I remember one having... 24, I think there was one that had 27. Okay, so it's not hugely... So it's not hugely mm. light, but it's it's a little bit lighter than some. But I think some of those bills were... I mean, pedicabs in London. Sure, but that, that sounds like... So the government do big bills, and then individuals bring small bills called private members' bills. And and then the, if the government supports a private member's bill, it goes through. And a pedicabs for London just sounds like a private member's yeah. bill. Like, it's a, it's just such a small thing, mm. I, I, I think. I mean, maybe maybe getting around all the licensing issues is a is bigger. I don't know anything about pedicabs. Um, I, think they've, I think they've smartened up quite a bit from where they used to be. It certainly used to be. I, like, if you wanted to buy drugs in London... Mm. You just could just hop on the back of one of these guys and they'd take you. Or, you know, whatever ever, any other illegal sin you would like to commit, these were the guys to help you out. Now, I hear that's not the case anymore, but they're still everywhere ringing their little bells and they're quite annoying. So anyway, they're gone. We focused on the law and order things because law and order was the order oh, of, the, of the day. Boom, boom. Wow. Comedy gold. Oh, yeah. Comedy <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Of the year nominees. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just I'll just run through the things that were in the bill. New sentencing bill, life means life, uh, which is tricky when there's no space in prisons. Mm. But they are also they're also talking about not sending 
I, I, I don't like the word petty, but petty criminals. They're, they're not going to do short-term sentences anymore. And so that free up space for the people, the right wrong who do bad stuff and just, just get in, you're not coming out. You've got a criminal justice bill that says if people... Because people need to be in the dock so that... So people who have been convicted of doing a crime should be in the dock so that the victims or the victims' families can get closure and see them sentenced. And increasingly, apparently, I didn't know this, but increasingly, people haven't been coming to the dock. They've been refusing mm. to go. And, you know, if life means life, then, then it's really hard to motivate somebody to get up there. So now, the police are going to be able to use reasonable force. But the judge will also be in control of that. So the judge can say, yeah, let's not, mm. let's not do that. Because I guess for some victims, seeing this guy gra- dragged, or, you know, whatever, dragged, kicking and screaming into the dock, it's quite, it's quite distressing. So the judge can say, that's not, not bother. But if the judge wants them, the police can use force. And the same bill is quite a controversial thing. If police think you've got stolen goods in your house, and they've got proof, but it's not quite clear what proof means, they um, they can just enter your house to grab mm. it. So without yeah, a warrant. I think the the one example. There's only one example given in the bill, and it's if they GPS tracked something to your location. So say you've got a load of stolen, mm. I don't know, phones or laptops, and they've GPS tracked them to you. Then that that's the one oh, example. Okay. But I, yeah, I think it, it, mm. it's it, it's been talked about as part of a antisocial behaviour crackdown. So I presume that that would make sense with phones, I suppose, because stealing phones is antisocial behaviour, isn't mm. it? Like people sat at a bus stop on their phone, and people like mopeds, don't they? They use the mopeds and grab them. From, I mean, it's it's horrid. So that's going to happen. I mean, the people are worried about the precedent mm. of. Yeah of police being able to enter someone's house. And it stops, at some point, it stops being private property. If police officers can get into your house whenever they want, then you have no expectation of privacy, which inside your own house is quite a big deal. And then a victims and prisoners bill will give ministers the power to stop the parole of the worst offenders and stop them marrying in prison. This is a thing. This is a bigger thing in America, I think. But like women fall in love with... With with criminals by writing them letters and stuff, and then they get married. I mean, what? That's odd. Um, that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, it still happens in Texas, I think. So if you're a woman listening to this who would like to marry a prisoner, then I believe start writing to to them in Texas and stop stop writing to them at Wandsworth because that that won't happen anymore. Yeah, so. Lots of criminal justice things. And also several of the bills, we talked about 21 bills, several of them were criminal justice bills. This is not just one criminal justice bill. Mm. This is So this is three out of the 21. So you've got the pedicabs. So you've got four out of the 21 we've just spoken about. So it's not, it's not that heavy. Mm. And that was uh, in at three. Yeah. Awesome. Diane, what, what was our second most popular post of the week? Okay, so I feel like I've got a little bit of a um, a poison chalice talking about this one, but 
Um, in it too uh, was a post. Suella Braverman, Home Secretary, has been saying a lot of things this week. She's been uh, in the media quite a lot. And this one that came in at number two. <laughs> she really, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because she's just, she's just been haywire. Yes. She's been She's everywhere. Been everywhere. <laughs> Sorry, no, Diane. You're, Just you're absolutely chuckle. right. I, I'm very much downplaying this, but she has been everywhere. Um, this particular uh, quote came from a series of tweets. She did a thread of tweets around um, rough sleepers, particularly rough sleepers in tents. And if you haven't seen the tweet, it's like a, a thread of four or five. And in that series of threads, she says that people in tents are mainly foreign nationals. Um, she says that they are a lot of the time in tents because it's a lifestyle choice. She said that they are undertaking antisocial behavior, drug taking, littering, a number of things she mentions and said that no one in this day and age should be in tents and they're a nuisance and she wants to do something about it. Now, this didn't actually make it to the King's speech because, well, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but we do know that this was something preemptive that she said and it was not in the speech. So we can only imagine that some conversations perhaps have taken place around how badly this went down. Um, you know, I could say a lot on it, but all I would say is this. Homelessness and rough sleeping is inconvenient. It is visible um, on our streets and I think that stigmatising that and the claims that she's made is fairly outrageous. I think I think what's really interesting is, is this idea of governing through X. Mm. Like... Mm. If the Home Secretary wants to talk about something, and the Home Secretary is a huge, huge, huge job, she should be saying it in the House of Commons. Yeah, yes. That's where mm. announcements and policies are are delivered. And recently the government's been doing more and more via press conference or interview or whatever it is away from the Commons. But this was on social media on a weekend that's not how the country should yeah. be run mm. i think we could have a very interesting conversation about homelessness and why people are intense mm -hmm. and what's going on and how we during the pandemic we could do we did a, there was a project called everyone yes. in which was where they got everybody off the streets and mm -hmm. um oh i can't remember who it was who was the housing minister we did one of the, the, the 5 p.m briefings and he was like this is great because we know where they are right now we can help everybody we can move them on and that clearly hasn't Mm. hasn't quite happened. I mean, clearly it's quite a complicated thing and the, the reasons people are homeless are myriad and complex and, you know, it's not, it's not just one, oh, it's the drugs, oh, it's mm. the mental health issues, oh, like, whatever. So if she had come to the House of Commons, it could have been debated and talked about seriously. Mm. This morning, we're, we're recording this on Thursday morning, um, the big story is about her writing an article in the Times about pro the ceasefire protests uh, coming up this weekend. And do you know what? Do you know what's starting at 9.30 this morning? 
parliament are sitting, get into the House of Commons and debate mm. it. That's the role of the Home Secretary. Mm. And there's a lot of talk about why Rishi Sunak is allowing yes. all this stuff yeah. to happen. And it's either... I mean, the choice, the choice that I think Yvette Cooper on the radio was making this morning, it's either that he wants her to be saying this because he wants her to be shoring up the, the rights of the party, or it's because he's weak and, we'll and he get can't rid of stop her. it. And he won't get rid of her. So neither of those, I mean, this was a Labour politician's point of view. So there is, it's likely to not say, oh, he's a good mm. man, isn't he? He should be running our country for the next six years. Um, but it's a really interesting thing it we're is. seeing. And as someone who loves Parliament and loves the House of mm. Commons, that's the biggest problem for me. Because it's not a an opinion that lots of people support. But I defend her right to have an opinion that not lots of people support because she's a politician, she's, she's elected, she's doing the, the thing that she's been elected to do. Just do it in the House of Commons, Swallow. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a really good point. If, if I could just say one positive thing, maybe, that has come from all of this um, is, is some of the reaction from other people. So I love Joe Lysett and he's done a, a thing this week yes. where um, he said, you know, Rough sleeping isn't a lifestyle choice. Something like having potpourri is a lifestyle choice. And he's he's auctioning off a picture of potpourri and has raised like tens of thousands for shelter so far. So that's one little positive. It is. I mean, but it is. Mm. The positions you make me take, Diana, are uh, <laughs> interesting. But it is, for some people, a lifestyle choice. In that... No, but I mean, nobody goes from having, you know, a million pound house in Richmond, taking a lifestyle choice to bin it off and live on the streets. But there are places for most street livers, that's not the term, to go. Now, they might be awful. In fact, I'm pretty sure they are awful. And so that is, I mean, it might not be terms of a lifestyle choice, but that might be a decision that the hostel or wherever wherever the council might, because the council have duties to put people mm -hmm. up, right? So whatever yeah. the accommodation the council are giving them is so awful, they would rather live on the street. That could be termed a lifestyle choice. And if you're being sympathetic to House of Commons Dodger Suella Braverman you might say that's what she's talking about. And I don't think that argument is completely unreasonable. Okay. I'm being looked we'll, at here. We'll I'm being leave it there. At. Um, <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> oh, gosh, okay. I've been ranting, and now it's me again for the top post. I mean, this is very quick. Elon Musk said that AI is going to mean that we don't have to do Woo! any work anymore, <laughs> and we'll have to find... <laughs> Excuse me, Diane. You love your job. Um, that was very mean. Um, and we're going to have to... And the challenge of the future, Elon Musk's bigot... Well, one of the challenges in the future, like this is, is how we're going to find meaning in our lives without work. Um, and it's... So hard. this is clearly... This is clearly bullshit. 
because, I mean, AI isn't going to replace entertainment. AI isn't going to replace hospitality. AI isn't going to replace... I mean, I like to think that SP can be replaced, but I think just a load of um, monkeys and on typewriters. You know, they could write the works of Shakespeare, couldn't they? Famously, a million, a million, like an infinite amount of monkeys. I don't know how it works. <laughs> um, but but uh, it's just, I like, we want people to be doing things and people will still need to do yeah. things. I mean, I know that deliveries can come from drones, but I think that we're going to want to see... I, just, I mean, stand-up comedy's popped into my mind. Yes, AI can write some good jokes, but we're going to want to see people. And if some people are working, I think, doesn't that mean... I mean, it's just... I don't, I don't think finding ways to fill our day is the biggest challenge. No. Is all? No, no. It is a, it is a very... <laughs> billionaire view of the world the future world yes yeah yeah there we go at least now we know what he thinks oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry for the people listening to an ad-free version of this podcast this is an advertisement on behalf of the sp shop um uh, I've got to admit, I didn't know this was coming up in the script, so I've got nothing clever or funny to say, except, what a great shop! <laughs> <laughs> it looks beautiful. Oh, I've just redesigned it. It looks so good. Uh, and when you go on the shop, which you will right now, at spstuff.co.uk, uh, you will think, oh, wow, this has been designed really well. Whoever designed this was probably nominated for... Uh, best comedy podcast of the of the year i didn't win it's so what we sell just very quickly we sell policy odyssey which is the sp card game i won't go into it now check it out we've just launched policy odyssey 2 and holly odyssey which is a family festive version and then you've got a couple of books written by me you've got the breakdown which was uh, published in 2019 and um talks about ideologies and what it means when ideologies clash and basically why you disagree with other people and how that's all right or even good and then we've got politics but better which is my new book and is the best writing i've ever done which might not be saying much but there it is and finally we have two years indoors which is our history of the pandemic mm. in a hundred posts that we wrote and then we put them all in order with the data contextualized it and that's been our best-selling product ever we've sold about fifteen thousand of them orders are still trickling in i mean we've sold three this morning yeah and there's also bundles, so if you buy several bits, then you get loads of money off. In fact, I looked at one of the bundles the other day, and I realised that we don't really make any profit when Oops. we sell that. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, and we had a big chat about whether we should keep it up. And uh, in the end, we were like, yeah, let's keep it up, because then people get cool yeah. stuff, and that's what matters. Um, as with the Patreon, this stuff just helps fund SP, and you get cool stuff, and it's great. So spstuff.co.uk. And now back to your regular program thanks tatton now <laughs> let's move on to the second section which is the mailbag so this is your opportunity to ask 
questions uh, and we will do our very best to answer. So this week we have a question from Dale. Hi, Dale. So, hey. Um, he apologised for not being an Emily. Um, but and just, so just to be Yeah, well, just to be clear, like the Emily things become a thing, mm. but you don't have to be called Emily to ask a question. We, we accept questions from, you know, Bill's, Bob's, Fred's, Elizabeth's, basically think- any name that's out there. Do you know what? I think that we've been abandoned by Emily's. Mm. We haven't had an Emily in weeks. We've exhausted and them all. That's it. That, that hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. The idea of Emily having turned her back, her collective Emily back. It's difficult. It's difficult to deal with. Anyway, mm-hmm. Dale <laughs> asks, uh, So he's always voted in every general election he's been eligible for and not always for the same party, but he's never voted for the person who's won in his constituency. Is it wrong to feel that he's been unrepresented in Parliament his whole life? I, I know an answer. I think I know an answer Tatton's going to be happy with and like give me a gold star for like a really good answer. <laughs> Should I do it? And then you can Go tell me it, I'm Diane. wrong. Yeah, is, do it, it. is it comedic? Is it funny? <laughs> no, no. First of all, oh. Deal has never backed a winner. So, you know... Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't take any tips or bets off deal if we're if we're ever going to do <laughs> anything where we, we want to, you know, definitely win. But deal, I understand what you're saying and I totally hear this view a lot from my friends that, oh, you know, democracy is great, but when you don't get the person you want, it's that feeling of, oh, but you have not not been represented in Parliament your whole life because whoever is your MP represents you. Am I right, Tatton? Mm. Yeah, so this is you good. Are absolutely right. So yeah. I've got an MP I didn't vote for. Um, yet, if there's something going on, and there really is in my village at the minute, there's a lot going on with offshore wind, et cetera, et cetera, I would still go to my MP. I'd still go to my MP, even though I, I, I didn't vote them in. And... I would expect them to advocate for me and to listen and to respond and do all the things that they should do for someone in their constituency. So from that point of view, you're represented. It might not be the policies you wanted or voted for, but you definitely still have a a way in and a voice. I I do agree with that. (laughs) My name's Saturn and I approve this message. Um, I think think that... One thing is that this conversation about people not not people always voting for the person who hasn't won. It's 2023 and there is no such thing as a safe seat. Mm. There is no such thing. We've seen 20,000 majorities get swept away in by-elections. We've seen, I mean, Boris Johnson won completely unwinnable seats. And now we're looking at Keir Starmer winning completely unwinnable seats. Even Ed Davey mm, winning completely unwinnable seats. I I live in a constituency, uh, in Canterbury constituency here in Kent, and the, it had been it had been a conservative seat for ev- literally forever. And Rosie Duffield, the Labour candidate, won in twenty seventeen. Now, that, that's partly because there's a lot of students in the town and that changed the demographic. Cause more stu- but 
there is not an unwinnable seat in this country anymore. Now, that hasn't been true before. But if you look at the swings, so, you know, Diane's spoken about how you are represented. Your MP represents you in Parliament, whoever you voted for. But if you staunchly want someone to win, you campaign, mm. you get out there because every seat is winnable in 2023 for any part. Not, I mean, not every seat's winnable for every party. The SNP aren't going to get in in Rygate. <laughs> um, that would be, that'd be a, a quite yes. the shock. The shock win in Sussex. Um, but it, it's all open now. God, that makes it more exciting though, doesn't it? So much more exciting. Yeah. yeah. Good. So Dale has some follow-up questions. Oh, go uh, on, Dale. Yeah. The first being, how many people vote for someone who doesn't get in? Um. Oh, I mean, I'll take like, this mm, if you want. Oh, well, before, before you, before we get to the actual actual numbers, what, yeah. I, what I what I find interesting is that you can get the most votes and still lose by miles, mm-hmm. because if the seats you win, you win by miles and miles and miles, and the and the opponents. I mean, let's say let's say Labour win every seat, but that they do win by thirty thousand majority, and the Conservatives get zero seats, zero. Uh, votes at all okay. on those seats and then and then the votes the seats that the conservatives do win would all be really tight with labor you could win a general election with half the vote mm. of the other party i mean it's very theoretical but yeah. yeah so over to charlotte with some actual numbers okay so these numbers are from make votes matter which is a campaign group for ending first past the post just to explain my sources first. So they crunched the numbers and said that in the 2019 general election, 44% of voters voted for the Conservative Party. As a result of those 44% voting, the Conservatives got 56% of the seats in Parliament, which means they have 100% of the power. Because ultimately, whoever, whichever party has the majority gets to be in government. But that's that's by design. So that's the whole point of the system. So we can't yeah, say yeah. that with such a raised <clears throat> eyebrow, Charlotte. Um, not, I didn't raise my eyebrows. Your, you your look, eyebrow I, was, it's, was, was raised. It's, it's also why I stated my source first, because that's the argument they're putting forward. The more important bit I would argue for this discussion is that 44% of people voted for the Conservatives, but they basically got 56% of the seats. And furthermore... Um, in 2019, 5.2 million people voted for Lib Dems, Greens and Brexit Party. Um, and those parties together uh, only got 12 MPs. So 5.2 million people, which is 16.3% of voters, ended up with 1.8% of the seats. So what we're seeing there is basically, as you were talking about, Tatton, the number of people who vote for a party is different from the number of seats. The number of votes a party gets is not reflected in the number of seats that they get. Sometimes political structures and ideas Mm -hmm. don't make sense to people who don't believe in them, right? So the ideology of conservatism has no interest in equality. 
there is no desire for equality. And when people hear that, they go, oh, oh, well, that's not very nice. But no, because the idea is if the least well-off people are doing okay, it doesn't matter if someone else is a billionaire or not, right? In fact, we do want rich people because they can create, but they can be the wealth creators and all of that stuff, right? First past the post is not a proportional system. It makes no attempt to match up the percentage of votes with the percentage of seats. So to be surprised that it doesn't do that is to misunderstand the basis of the first past the post system. Yeah, but even if we do understand the system, I get that and I get how it works, but then it's, well, is there anything we could do differently? And would we? Well, of course. Yeah. And, and you're more than welcome to campaign against first past yeah. the post as a system. That, that comp- that's a completely reasonable thing to do. And that campaign group that Charlotte's t- taking those numbers from, that's, that's explicitly what they do. And that's cool, mm. right? So what we're doing is pointing out a perceived flaw of first-past-the-post, not somehow uncovering a mistake of the system. Mm. No, this is the whole purpose of the system. It's the whole the whole purpose of the system. How what? There's two. There's two main purposes. One is that everybody knows. So I'm going to say three. One is that everybody knows who their MP is. MP yeah. is. Yeah. Right. Really easy. It's a really clear link, and they and that MP's job isn't just to vote for or against the illegal immigration bill. It's also to champion the constituency mm-hmm. and to and to put that and to fight for your area. It's also a really simple system at election time. You have in your constituency five, ten, whatever, however many people trying to be the MP. Everyone campaigns locally. You can have hustings where those people are sat in front of you. I host a hustings every election. I absolutely love it. We uh, we all sit in a line and we um, discuss and debate, and then people in the audience can choose who they want to vote for. And they and when they're voting, they're voting for that person in front of them, right? And I was saying that, that and there's no safe seats anymore, and I believe that. So those campaigns and that period of campaigning is real. And the fact that they've got real people in front of them is beneficial for the democratic process, for that engagement. And then the third thing about the system is that it exaggerates the lead. So that the party with the most votes generally tends to be can get stuff done. Because if you have to do coalition government, then it's harder sometimes to just make progress. And what a country needs is a government who can make changes for the better and can make changes for the better that more people voted for than other parties, than other manifestos, right? I know that lots of people don't like this system. I know two of the people on this podcast (laughs) don't like this system. And I'm not saying that I love this system, Mm. but I think think it's much misrepresented because those three reasons aren't terrible reasons. Can, Can I just say, though, the second reason 
that you gave is also true of proportional representation systems, depending on what you do. So, for example, previously in the London mayoral race, we used a proportional representation system called single transferable vote. So in that, I mean, even if you're not aware of what that means or anything, you will, everyone knows who the mayoral candidates have been. They're the ones who are campaigning. You know who that is. So while some people who are against proportional representation will say, well, it's, it, you're not voting for a specific person. The problem with proportional representation is there's so many different systems. Um, it's not true that you wouldn't necessarily know who your person is. Mm. It just depends but, on the system. I mean, STV, and I don't want to get too technical here, but STV no. is, is a compromise as well, isn't it? It's not pure, it's not pure PR. And it also... It, it, it feel it's it's a tricky one. The simplicity of you vote for the one you want rather than ranking them, and then the the counting feels complicated. So so yes, STV does keep that constituency link, but no, it's not truly proportional. It is. It's one of PR across. It's if not the whole like country AV. voted S, no, I mean AV is not not proportional at all. No, but it's classic. Yeah. There anyway. are there are lots of people. There are there are lots yeah. of systems, um, and there's lots of reasons for and against them. Um, so I think, I think yeah, I think I think that you, uh, lovely listener, will, can, can decide mm. whether you want electoral reform or not. The Labour Party have been split on it for a yeah. long time. Yeah, parties that win general elections or parties that hope to win general elections will have more power under first past the mm. post. So they don't tend to be massive fans of electoral reform, which would no. give them fewer power, right? Less power. So <laughs> that was a comedic term. <laughs> I understand the difference between fewer and less. Thank you very much, Diane. You're being so mean to I'm me today. Not. Um, <laughs> not intentionally. Um, just your true colours yeah. yeah, shining yeah. through. Um, but yes, so, I think Deal's got a good old, so, so good old round up question there, hasn't he? Good answer. Yes, mm. I think yeah. Like just practically going forward, I don't think this country is going to have a vote on electoral reform for a long time. No. Uh, I thought there might be one coming up when it looked like I, I believed that there would be a Labour Liberal Democrat. Mm -hmm or Labour, SNP, or some kind of coalition going forward. I no longer believe that. I think Labour will get a majority. Um, although, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. There's a lot going on. If, La if Labour need a coalition, then we could get one next, get some kind of vote-on-a-vote system next year, year, in a couple of years' time, but I don't think we will. Um, and then... And then that's kicked down the road for the next six years. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Dale, for your question. Let's move on to the third section, which is PM Watch. So King's speech has happened. Parliament's back. What's the latest with Rishi Tatton? Uh, well, he's, um, he's just pottering about trying to look prime ministerial, getting his new year on the road pretending Swella Braveman's not saying lots of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we've not seen very much from him. He mm. was 
We had the King's Speech debate and him and Keir Starmer were very powerful. They were both very gave very powerful speeches. I really enjoyed them. But it's all I mean, everyone knows what's going to what's gonna happen. Like we talk with he he's been talking about the Met Police and these protests on Saturday. I've got to say the problem the problem with the protests on Saturday is that there are I think there'll be a hundred thousand more people calling for a ceasefire in in Gaza, in Palestine. But, right, if I was a horrible person because I hated anyone at all, all this fuss about the protest would get me going to London to kick off. And I think that there will be small, un- unpleasant scenes at these protests and I think the media are going to love them. Oh God! And I think that the, that I think that those mm. huge crowds, whether you agree that we need a, a humanitarian pause or a complete ceasefire, that's up to you. But these huge crowds calling for a ceasefire will be largely overshadowed, and I think that's the problem with all of this. Will they? Won't they do it in the lead up? Because it just attracts troublemakers. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I hope, I hope it's okay. I want people to be safe. I want, I want people to be able to protest safely and effectively. And then, when if if it does, if there are these pockets, it will not all go wrong. It will not because the vast majority of people are decent, decent people standing up for what mm-hmm. they believe in. But if there are pockets of trouble. Next week is going to be so full of recrimination because the Daily Mail will, the Sun will lead on the trouble that we have. And if they, I mean, there's going to be a counter protest. And, you know, like if, if there are pockets that go wrong, next week will all be about our response. And Rishi, you bet he will come to the House of Commons on Monday and make a statement if things have gone wrong um, because they're the part of law and yeah, order. Sorry. No, I was just going to say like, oh God, with everything, like hoping everything goes, you know, as peacefully and as safely and as well as can be expected this weekend. I really hope that for for everyone. But just on the policing and on the the flack that the the police have had on this, um, I was listening on the radio to a few ex police chiefs and constables and people who were talking. I mean, this could not have been a banned event because people would have turned up anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, even the legalities of it and the, the law, or whatever, it, you know, people would turn up. People would be turning up. So, it's got to be. It's got to be policed now, just really effectively, and hopefully, hopefully, it all passes off um, in the right way. And I mean, it's put all of this has put the police in a difficult situation mm-hmm. because the yeah. police should be given the law, mm-hmm. right? The law that's been passed by uh, Parliament, and they should be given guidance by the commissioner, and then they should just go out and do and and, and do the best they can to enforce the law. Whereas now we have the situation where without a shadow of doubt, police officers will be second guessing what they should do. 
And it's not fair on the officers who are themselves decent people. Yeah. I mean, it's a mess. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It goes okay. 150,000 people through London, whatever it's going to be. Because obviously it's, this is a massive advert for going on the protest as well. It's not yeah. just the numpties who are going to, whom, who, who would come. This is a massive advert. There are a lot of people in this country that want a ceasefire. And, and it's not, people, protesters understand that even if it's half a million people in London, Netanyahu in Israel isn't going to pay any attention. But they're trying to change the opinion, change the policy of Keir Starmer, whose policy might be easier to change because of his party, and also Rishi Sunak, so that they can start putting pressure on America. Again, Rishi Sunak can't put pressure on Netanyahu. It's, it's Biden who, who has that power. So... People turning up in this protest will be trying to influence the policy of Keir Starmer and hopefully the PM, who can then influence the policy of Joe Biden, who can then influence the policy of Netanyahu. It's an, yeah, it's re- the, the, the politics yeah. of protest is really interesting. Yes. So, fingers crossed everything goes okay. So that's what's currently happening. What else is coming up? What can you see in your crystal ball tattoo? Well, like I say, if um, if the protests don't go as planned, that's what we're going to yeah. get all next week. And we've got a week off the COVID inquiry, mm. which is a blessed relief because I've it's quite a lot to sit through every day. Um, and then the week after that, we might have one of the big names um, coming in. So so so. That's that's exciting. We're going to debate Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're, we're still debating the King's speech. So Monday's focus with the NHS. Tuesday will be economic growth. And Wednesday will be crime and policing. All of these are really interesting debates. They're opened by the minister for their area. They set out... I mean, the opening is interesting. And then everyone leaves the chamber... And it's all a little bit dull and technical. And then the closing speeches are always quite good as well. I don't think, I mean, this is the crystal ball. I don't think these are really things we're going to talk about Mm. much next week because I don't think we'll have much out of them that we don't already know. The crystal ball will be, I will be watching these things, but you don't really care whether I'm watching that or doctors on the BB. That's the daytime doctors. Yeah, it always comes on after uh, And it's ending. It's um, ending, Tatton. So ending next, next year. year yeah. So get your doctors in while you can. I th- thank you for the, uh, the heads up. Um, I think next week we're going to see all kinds of stories coming in. It's been a really busy time. For politics, even though the Commons has been relatively quiet, I think next week we will presumably be talking about something Sweller Braveman has said that is an interesting thing to do. I think we're going to see more of Rishi Sunak in the Commons because I think he needs to be more present. Uh, so I expect a statement from him. Diane, what you got? Oh, just, yeah, following on from the same vein, I'm looking forward to seeing him and Kia back across from each other at PMQs on Wednesday because we haven't had one for a while. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that's uh, 
my hot oh, very exciting. Oh, I, one thing on my crystal mm. ball. I've just seen a note that I've left myself to, to write a post uh, today. today. If you're listening on Friday morning, today is 10 years since I registered www.simplepolitics.co.uk. Um, and I know that because I got an email saying I've got a renewal. <laughs> And we've got so many URLs, like spstuff.co.uk, spemail.co.uk, sppodcast.co.uk, all, like, all, like loads of them. So I always get these emails. And it said, uh, it was this one is spsimplepolitics.co.uk. And I was quite confident about it because I bought a 10-year <laughs> auto-renew um, thing. So, so 10 years of of having of thinking about it i suppose i mean i officially launched in 2015 after the after the election um because i wanted to start from scratch with laws starting off from for a new for david cameron's uh, first majority term but yeah 10 years today wow. if you're listening on friday uh since i was that invested <laughs> that i bought a 10 year <laughs> license well you were right your crystal ball that day was telling you the truth on point mm. yeah. yeah exactly right and on that happy note genuinely happy for once we'll say goodbye and see you next week thank you Tatna and Diane thanks Charlie see you next week thank you very much bye 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 just heard a stripped media production. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.